This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm, I've been focusing on my self-care lately. <laughs> good, good. That's always something that we should take some time aside to do. And I see part of that is staying caffeinated, as yes, always. Yes, lots that's, of coffee. That's the Aging Matters tradition here. We always, always need a cup of coffee somewhere. Sam, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, we've been doing that self-care thing, too. My husband um, finally bit the bullet and got himself a Blackstone this weekend. So Ooh. there goes oh, his birthday. I'm jealous. I'll, I'll be over next weekend. <laughs> we, we've already tested it out. We, I think we've got the hibachi down. So, you know, let us throw a few more recipes out there and then we'll have a big party. He got the 36 inch. So we're ready to feed like 80 people. You're good for a big breakfast. Yeah. Uh, And there's only two of us. I'd like to reiterate. (laughs) Well, again, I I think uh, Mary and I will just have an event. We'll have a party. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's get to our first topic at hand today. And we're going to spend some time talking about infectious diseases. And we are very happy to welcome Carol McClellan. She is a family nurse practitioner with Dispatch Health. Carol, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Carol, I know something we hear a lot about in our industry are common infections, like the flu. We're coming up on flu season. I know we're already mm-hmm. talking about flu vaccines and uh, UTIs. They can happen to any one of us, but maybe start off by talking to us a little bit. Why are they more common in older adults, and also why are they harder to d- diagnose in the elder population? Uh, sure. So, with older adults, um, your body changes as you age. Um, some of the basic things is your immune ability to fight infection is diminished. Um, and we know that because of it, even in terms of the pandemic, what has happened, the older people tend to get sicker quicker. Um, there are other changes. Your skin gets thinner. Um, people notice that they bruise easy and your skin in general is um, not able to fight off infection. And um, other things along the lines of other medications you take, um, additional antibiotics you may have taken for something else. As you age, you, you're, what you've taken has increased. So all of those things combine to make your risk of infection greater. Um, I forgot the second question. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we were wondering about why are those infections so much harder to diagnose? Oh, yes. Thank you. I'm so sorry. So. Um, the other thing that happens is as, as we age, the typical presentation is different. Um, when you're younger, if you get a cold, you have a cough, you have a runny mm-hmm. nose, you might have a fever. As we get older, things change a little bit. Um, the infection doesn't present the same way. So you may be a little more forgetful. You may notice if it's your mom or your dad that they may be a little more confused. Um, your uh, ability to manage what you're doing, you may forget where you put something down, you may feel a little more clumsy, um, or just in general, an overall decline of what you can do, just you seem off, Mm -hmm. instead of I have a really bad cold. It's just a little more vague. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I saw a fact once that one third of all deaths in seniors over 65 results from infectious disease, which is just crazy to believe. Um, So what are the most common infections in older adults that you see in your practice? 
So what we see typically, there are generally five, and COVID is part of one of those groups, but the first one um, that occurs is urinary tract infections, and that mm -hmm. one in particular is a little vaguer. So typically when a woman would have had a urinary tract infection when she was younger, she would, she would feel some discomfort, she mm -hmm. would notice things weren't quite right when she passed urine. Um, when older women get urinary tract infections, they don't have that as mm -hmm. much. They just mm -hmm. tend to feel off and they feel sick. The other thing, um, the other ones are pneumonia, um, and that happens as we get older. Our ability to swallow changes as well, plus other things that contribute to that. Flu and COVID, which I've put together because they're um, in the community. And then there are cellulitis, again, skin issues, mm -hmm. and your ability to fight that infection. And um, GI issues, of course, we can all eat something that makes us sick. There are the viral um, infections, the Norwalk virus. And then there is the big one that happens when you've been exposed to um, antibiotics or someone who has had it, which would be something like um, Clostridium difficile. Mm. Uh, but those five. So maybe we start from the top and go through each one a little bit and talk about what mm -hmm. to look for. Um, starting with the UTI, what are some signs and symptoms that you should look for in elder adults? Um, so my experience has been that in someone who's older who has a urinary tract infection, if they don't present, it, it hurts or it burns when I pass urine. They may be confused. Mm -hmm. um, you may talk to your mom and she doesn't remember what she spoke to you about last week, mm -hmm. or if she already has some um, memory issues, you may find that it's significantly worse. Like maybe she doesn't remember um, what today's day is, but she doesn't remember who you are. So you see a change in mental status. Um, they forget to eat. Oh, I don't remember the last time I ate. And you may notice that they forget where the food is. Um, things along that line. They also have a tendency to fall a little bit more. Um, that's what I've seen. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I always think it's so crazy how a UTI has such different symptoms and especially more of the kind of psychological Definitely. symptoms as you're older. Um, so what are some ways that you can treat the UTIs in older adults? For older adults, of course, everyone can go to their primary care provider. They can go to the emergency room, neither of which are um, in my personal experience, the best way to treat this, because these are things that are very easily treated if identified early. Mm -hmm. um, I work for Dispatch Health, as you indicated, and we go to people's homes. We can identify it quickly. We do a quick test that allows us to see that there is bacteria and then the, um, the end result of the bacteria in your urine, and we can prescribe oral antibiotics mm -hmm. if we catch it early. Unfortunately, what happens is by the time um, either the the patient or the family member notices the older person, um, they can be really sick and they end up um, in the emergency room and sometimes they're hospitalized. So while our goal is always to treat it early before it becomes a crisis. That's a great point. I think time is of the essence mm -hmm. here in a lot of these infectious diseases. So moving on to pneumonia, uh, what are some signs and symptoms to watch for with pneumonia? So you and I, well, I'll speak for me, me as, <laughs> as not an older person, I'm sorry, uh, I'm not sure how old you are, but as an older person, um, so, you know, we'd get a cough, we'd feel short of breath, you know, I'm a runner, I can go out and run, you know, five, five miles. Older people, you know, would have more difficulty walking upstairs, 
but what we would see is maybe their heart rate's elevated, or maybe they're having difficulty speaking a little bit, or maybe in general they, they just don't feel well versus they feel profoundly short of breath. So things are a little different. They also don't mount a fever. You know, I would, I mean, I've been vaccinated. I got the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. I got quite the fever. Older people don't get fevers like that. So you just see that their heart rate's elevated and they're having difficulty speaking a little bit. Um, they might say that they feel a little short of breath today, but they just feel like they're sick in general. Mm-hmm. And same for pneumonia. Um, what are some treatment options for folks? Um, again, the first thing that we would do is to try and identify it early. Um, you, we can treat it um, empirically, i.e. I can treat it based on my exam. Um, the best way to treat it objectively is with an x-ray. So um, if you went to your doctor's office, they would order an x-ray. Um, if I come to see you with Dispatch Health, I would go to your home. I could order an x-ray, and we would review it, and I could say, oh, look, you have pneumonia. If you go to the emergency room, they will also do an x-ray. Um, you get antibiotics orally. If you go to the hospital and you're sick enough, you would get them intravenously. Um, there are other things that can help with the pneumonia, um, particular medicines that help you cough up what's in mm-hmm. there. Um, and um, maybe oxygen, if you were in the hospital, we hope to never have to give you oxygen, but we could. That is Carol McLennan. She is a family nurse practitioner with Dispatch Health. And Carol, we've got a, a lot more questions for you. We do have to take a break here. Are you okay hanging out with us for another segment? Absolutely. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we will get into a discussion on more infectious diseases. We'll also get into a conversation on prevention as well. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Hey, don't forget, you can always learn more about Transitions Life Care by going online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. We are having a conversation about infectious diseases, and we are pleased to continue our conversation with Carol McClellan. She is a family nurse practitioner with Dispatch Health, and we've gone over uh, a couple of infectious diseases. We've talked about urinary tract infections and pneumonia, but uh, there's a couple others that we want to address before Mm -hmm. we uh, end our time here with Carol. Yeah, and the next one we wanted to kind of touch on, Carol, uh, was flu versus COVID, because I know for a lot of folks, some of the signs and symptoms can be really confusing because they're similar to each other kind of at their impetus when they start out. So can you talk through us first some signs and symptoms to look for for flu and signs and symptoms to look for in COVID? Sure. So um, the signs and symptoms of flu, um, again, with younger people, um, are similar, but they things are a little different because of as you're older, you have um, a different response. So the fever 
um, with the flu, you won't see so much. Whereas if I got the flu, I would mount a fever, I would feel terrible. Well, older people, they feel terrible, but if I took their temp, they wouldn't necessarily be 101. Mm -hmm. um, they have the overall um, the headache, fever, chills, if they can talk to you. I mean, some older people certainly aren't as communicative as others. But if they can tell you those things, they, have the, um, they don't feel well. They, mm -hmm. They're tired and fatigued. They have a cough, maybe a sore throat. Mm -hmm. um, and it can last a while. The good news is, of course, um, there is a test for flu. Mm -hmm. um, this is not yet the flu season, but we can, um, if you go to your doctor's office, you go to the emergency room, or if you know, someone from Dispatch Health comes out, we can test you and say you have the flu. Mm -hmm. um, the treatment for it, of course, is um, an oral antiviral, and we do not hold that back with the older population because people get very sick from the mm -hmm. flu, and older people... Um, can end up hospitalized and all the other things that happen. With COVID, again, the presentation is a little vague. Um, and I find in, in my experience, and things have changed, it's a year and a half into mm -hmm. this, and we are talking very differently than we did when it first started. Um, at the time, uh, when New York was um, overflowing, I was living close to New York, and we saw something very different. What I saw then is older people with high fevers, mm -hmm. um, something that, that someone younger wouldn't feel well, but they didn't feel sick. So if you take, took a temp of a 75-year-old and their temperature was 101 and they're like, I feel fine, mm -hmm. to me that's, okay, this is a problem. You might have COVID. And again, we now have a test and we can test you and say you do have COVID. Um, and that's really helpful. For COVID, unfortunately, there isn't anything I can prescribe to you. It's symptom treatment, unless you're really sick, in which case, um, you know, if we came to see you in your home, um, I would recommend, look, you're really sick. You need to consider going to a hospital to make sure that we can manage this. You need oxygen or whatever. Um, so overall, they look very similar, but they have some subtleties that I've noticed and some of my peers have noticed as time has passed. That's very interesting. It's a very fine line between the two. It is, definitely. So it is. Go ahead. I was just saying, the good thing is, and really the, the big real issue is that there's a quick test. And to me, mm -hmm. that's, that has changed the course of it. When I look at someone who is sick, an older person, my mom, my mom mm -hmm. um, would be 84 years old. And I wouldn't know what it was, but I wouldn't have to necessarily um, order something or do something. I would do these two tests. It could still, of course, require that I do an x-ray. But if I did a flu test and I did a COVID test, this is what we're going to treat. And that has changed the course of both of these infectious diseases. That's great. Um, so next on our list is cellulitis. Maybe first tell people what it is. Maybe not everybody knows yes, what it I'll is. I'll admit, I'm, I'm always get a little confused. You know, my first thought is cellulite. Well, I mean, I have that. But I know that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> What is, what um, is cellulitis? So that, sure. Cellulitis is a skin infection. Um, it's frequently from a break in the skin. Your skin is another system. So you have your cardiac system. You have your GI system. The skin is the largest one because it covers all of us. But when there's a break in the skin, whether you step on something, your cat scratches you, um, you just get a, um, a scrape when you bump up against something, those are ways in which bacteria can be introduced. So... 
Um, a skin infection is when there's bacteria in there. Some people are more predisposed. <clears throat> the elderly are more predisposed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fat that um, is underneath the skin between the muscle is less. Um, the skin is thinner because as we get older, that's part of the aging process. So there's an infection. Um, there are two different types. There's bacterial and fungal. There are some other uh, other ones, but those are the most common ones for people who don't have some significant other health issues. And tip, the one that we see most often that's problematic and presents with pain is a bacterial skin infection, cellulitis. And the fungal infection we see here in North Carolina, we see a little more of that, and we all know what athlete's foot is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they can follow each other, but they are distinct entities. That's very helpful. So wh- how do you go about treating cellulitis, and, and when is the right time to get help? Um, so when you cut, um, so I stepped on something the other day. Let's, mm-hmm. We'll start with me. I stepped on something, um, and it hurt, and I was not happy, and it, I found what it was. It was a very small piece of glass. This is what I get for walking barefoot. Don't walk barefoot. <laughs> um, and I, my husband was able to remove the small piece of glass, and what happened is it bled a little bit. It made a scab, and then the next day it was a little red around it, which is normal. That mm-hmm. is the inflammatory process. The little redness is part of the healing process. But if it continued to get red and be sore and got bigger, that's when it's a problem. So Mm -hmm. two days after, or if you notice something right away that's big and open, that's when you need to treat it. So if mine had continued three days in, it's more sore, I can't walk, it's got something coming out of it, Mm -hmm. not just blood, you need to seek additional care. So if it were me, I would come to your house. Mm -hmm. You know, you've called Dispatch Health, I'd come to your house. I say, you know what, this looks like cellulitis. I'm going to give you um, an oral antibiotic, and I would treat you generally seven days. It can be more or less based on what it looks like and whether or not you're diabetic or, you know, you have some immune problem. And typically that takes care of it. If you've had a lot of antibiotics, I may change what I would be treating you with because you've got You've had other ones, so I need to kind of think about that a little differently. But typically, we treat that with oral antibiotics. If it's big and it's it's really angry looking, um, it may need some additional care. Um, but I would try and treat you at home, which is what our goal is, and everyone's goal is to take care of you at home. Absolutely. If it's if it's fungal infection, so fungal infections again, athlete's foot. Everyone knows what athlete's foot is. Kids, little kids, big kids, old people, everyone gets Mm -hmm. it. So unfortunately, um, if you have um, a comorbidity or a health issue like diabetes Mm -hmm. or anything that increases your risk of infection, if you have athlete's foot, and athlete's foot, you know, you get the little redness, a little sore, maybe a little itchy, but there's a break in the skin, and now we've broken the skin. So I have found that with older people, if they have athlete's foot, they are also um, at risk and often have cellulitis at the same time. So they travel together. So I treat mm-hmm. the cellulitis. I have to treat the fungal infection at the same time. And I have found that that's the one that most people forget, that you have to take care of the fungal infection to prevent the bacterial infection. And that's treated with um, typically, uh, you know, Lotrimin or whatever the athlete's foot right. is over the counter. If you have a really 
uh, difficult case, I can give you something different. Worst case scenario, I can give you um, some oral medication, not the first choice, um, but there are alternatives. The goal is to prevent this as we move forward. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. One last quick one for you. GI issues, mm-hmm. what, what to watch for and how to treat? Sure. So um, GI. So Norwalk virus is what everyone um, uh, considers when they travel. You know, we talk about traveler's diarrhea. Those are viral. They're short-lived, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, 24-hour bug is how other people would f- refer to it. And just like you would, you would do for yourself, you need to make sure you hydrate. You need to drink. You need to drink. When you have diarrhea, you can't not eat. You actually need something in your system to hold all of that together. So people say, well, I don't feel like eating. You need to eat. You need to eat bananas. You need to eat uh, crackers. You need to eat something and take the medicine to stop the diarrhea and make sure that you drink. Mm -hmm. The one that is problematic, that is considered a health care infection, is Clostridium difficile, which is what people get if they um, have had antibiotics or the other risk factor is they live in a nursing home. They've been in a rehab facility. They've been in a hospital. It is very infectious. I think most people have heard about it at this point. Mm-hmm. And this one is, there's a, for me, there's a pretty specific measure. If you have more than five bowel movements in one day, you need to make sure you call us. You need to call your doctor because you're at risk of um, dehydration. You're at risk of this um, really bad infection that can progress to something that can actually be life-threatening and requiring you to be hospitalized. So. That's kind of the bar. Okay, well, I, I got a little stomach ache, and I've gone to the bathroom a couple of times, kind of waited out, make sure you drink. But if you start more than five a day, and then the second day you're still going down that road, you have some belly pain, you know, you feel cramps, you maybe have a fever, your belly does, is kind of distended, you know, your clothes don't feel the right way, you need to call someone and have that taken care of. We treat often, um, again, empirically, I'm treating you based on what it looks like to me. And I can come to your house and say, we'll take a sample, we'll send it to the lab. I'm going to treat you anyway, because older people, as I spoke before, everything can escalate very quickly. I'll treat you. And if you don't have that, we'll stop it. But we will treat you anyway and wait for the results to come forward. That's great. Yeah, that is uh, wonderful to hear, Carol, about uh, you've really educated us Mm -hmm. about a lot of different infectious diseases, what to look out for and what the treatment options are for all of those. She is Carol McClellan, a family nurse practitioner with Dispatch Health. If you want to learn more about Dispatch Health, you can go online to dispatchhealth.com. Carol, thank you so much for your time today. That was very helpful. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. We're taking a short break, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk 
Traffic. Jason Kong here alongside Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. And uh, we've had a wonderful conversation on the show so far, but we're going to spend some time here talking about vaccines. And Mary, both uh, kind of before the show and during the breaks, we were uh, talking about uh, some of your experiences uh, visiting uh, a hospital recently and also Mm -hmm. uh, some things that have popped up on your Nextdoor app. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, vaccines are a hot topic right now, of course, as they should be. Yeah, and, and next door, you know, normally you see things like, um, you know, don't put your dog waste in my trash can. Or <laughs> That's yeah. a popular one. What mm-hmm. kind of snake is this is my new favorite. <laughs> is no, this not a copperhead? Mine. No, thank you. <laughs> this is a copperhead, right? Um, so I was reading next door and came across this post that a lot of people were sharing. Um, and it was someone local, a physician here local in the area. And I wanted to kind of start and read this. And it, it really hit me. Um, so he starts with, my experience last night working in the emergency department. I have been an emergency room doctor for 13 years. Last night I was working in the ER in one of our neighboring counties. I had a patient who needed an emergent life-saving procedure that can generally only be done at a major medical center and requires a bed in ICU afterwards. After hours on the phone, I found that every single tertiary care hospital in North Carolina's medical ICUs are full, so full that they couldn't even put people on a wait list. So I did something I've never had to do before and I started reaching out to hospitals in South Carolina and Virginia same situations. The small hospital where I was working, ICU is full, and so many ICU-level patients have to remain in the emergency department or go to floors that have lower levels of care than they deserve. Recently, a group of doctors in South Florida staged a 15-minute walkout to bring attention to the fact that they are hospitals are so overwhelmed that they can't, can't take care of patients with simple medical problems like an appendicitis or heart attacks. I'm worried that we are fast approaching a cliff in our area. So I I just want to bring that Mm -hmm. up because, you know, I think that we we keep hearing my medical freedom to get vaccinated. It's my body, Mm -hmm. my choice. And I I I it's so hard for me to wrap my head around my body, my choice when your choice affects our hospitals Mm -hmm. and the people who need care that isn't covid care. Um, You know, if you get in a car accident, you Mm -hmm. need to go to the hospital. Like, what does that situation look like? And it makes me so nervous. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'll say, too, that I'm I'm not generally one of the first people to line up for for (laughs) a new vaccine or anything like that. And, you know, if if some of you have been listening for a while, you may remember earlier in the year when I talked about how I did have COVID um, back in November of this, well, last year, technically. (laughs) Time is a blur right now. Um, And I was lucky enough to have a very mild case, but um, I still decided to go ahead and get fully vaccinated. A two-dose Moderna. um, It kicked me in my butt after the first one. Um, But, you know, I just felt that it was really important and even at the time we hadn't really heard much about the delta variant coming on so i'm so grateful that i made that decision for myself and you know same with my husband too we really didn't hesitate we were like let's let's do it let's get vaccinated mm-hmm. we wanted to protect our friends our families for me i work with such a fragile population mm-hmm. in my day to day that i knew it was so important and you know for my husband too he teaches so for him, it was doubly important that he get vaccinated. And I know he actually was kind of a little vaccine champion himself uh, at his school. He talked to a lot of his coworkers and kind of talked with them about their fears and tried to help dispel some myths about it. Um, that's awesome. So that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. I know we kind of yeah. debated a little bit about whether we should talk about it, but I think with the state of things being the way they are right now, I think it's important we do some myth busting on on some of the vaccines. Definitely. And your choice also impacts children. I know, Mm -hmm. Jason, you have kids and 
children under 12 can't be vaccinated yet. And, you know, I think that that's an important fact here. There's a lot of young people in these hospitals. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I are vaccinated. So, you know, we have that level of protection. But at the same time, you know, everything we do, we've got to think about, okay, well, what what are we exposing the kids to? Uh, How would this impact them? And we're seeing with the Delta variant that that seems to be more impactful when it comes to children. So, uh, yeah, we're on high alert. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it felt like six or seven weeks ago, we thought we, we may be close to getting out of the woods. And that that's unfortunately just not the case. So it's, it's really disheartening. Uh, I mean, as just a, a normal person, but also as a parent to see us back in this state again, it's uh, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we kind of wanted to myth bust, and I know this was something I had concerns about too at the fir- at start, was that this vaccine was made too quickly, it came out really fast, or I won't take it until the FDA moves it out of emergency use. Because for a while there, it was under emergency use mm-hmm. only. So I know people had some hesitations around that. Mm-hmm. And it, the good news is FDA approved it for, approved the Pfizer mm-hmm. vaccine for full use. So that's really exciting. But I think it's important to remember they were creating a vaccine in the face of a public health emergency. Mm-hmm. They were moving at a critical pace to create a safe and effective vaccine. It was a monumental effort. And the rapid development was without skipping any safety or scientific steps. There was extra funds on this. They put extra people on it. Um, but they weren't starting from scratch. Mm-mm. They were building on decades of research. mRNA vaccines and technology are not a new thing, and neither is the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. It's just the new strand of the current coronavirus that's been studied for years and years. So once the genetic strand from the coronavirus and what we know as COVID uh, was discovered, they used the same technology they've used for decades with mRNA vaccines and what they've been studying for a while and created this new vaccine for the COVID, for this COVID that we know of and these vaccines that we're, we're seeing now. Um, and because of the urgency in the pandemic, uh, they were able to recruit volunteers quicker. Like myself, mm-hmm. I enrolled in a vaccine trial very early on and, um, and got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in December. Um, but the clinical trials happen much faster than typical vaccine studies. They were dealing with a very contagious and fast-moving virus, and it didn't take long to see the impact of vaccines and the effectiveness of them. So they, they while they moved quickly and um, project warp speed, uh, there was, um, it, it was not taken lightly. They were studied mm-hmm. very, very heavily. These are safe and effective vaccines. I'd, I know Sam and I were talking earlier, there was an infographic that's floating around that talks about how 98% of the people hospitalized right mm-hmm. now are unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And it's something we're hearing from our colleagues who are at some of the local hospitals mm-hmm. is it's unvaccinated people in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So another kind of topic we wanted to hit on too is, and Mary talked about it earlier as well, was the the my body, my choice. And I know that this has really been a hot topic too with more and more companies and hospital systems and medical systems mandating vaccines for their employees. So we wanted to touch on that too about kind of why that's you know important. Like Transitions Life Care. Transitions mm-hmm. Life Care just uh, announced their requirement for our employees to be vaccinated. And we're so proud of that and to be able to promise our community mm-hmm. that we're a good community partner and making sure that we're protecting our vulnerable populations, each other, and our other community partners and community members. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we think about that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important, too, to keep in mind that vaccine requirements are not a new thing. <laughs> 
Um, I know for transitions, we have to get our flu shot every year. We mandated that. I think it's been a few years now that we made that mandatory. Um, Same with college. I remember I had to get so many needles uh, for college going off for there. And we, I think we need to think about the COVID vaccine similarly. Uh, You know, we talked earlier about how it's safe, effective. There's been lots of research done on it. Um, The CDC issued guidance and relied on the honor system. But, you know, unfortunately, we're not really seeing the consequences of that right now. Um, And again, you know, we wanted to reiterate that, yes, while it's your choice, you know, you're affecting the community around you, too, including Mm -hmm. your loved ones. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just so important. Um, your choice also impacts, like we mentioned earlier, hospital capacity, mm-hmm. um, which we're already seeing now has been a huge issue. Um, mm-hmm. And then, too, you know, thinking about children under 12, like we talked about earlier, um, they're not able to get vaccinated yet. You know, mm-hmm. I think of my husband who teaches fifth grade in el- elementary school, his entire school, all of those children, mm-hmm. none of them can get vaccinated. So, you know, it's important for him to be vaccinated, to be as safe as he can possibly be for his kids. Mm-hmm. I remember getting my tetanus shot. Oh, yes. Favorite question. When was the last time you had your tetanus shot? I don't know. Like college? <laughs> Eons ago. <laughs> Every time they ask me, I'm like, yeah, I had that. I had that. <laughs> I, I definitely had it within the last 10 years. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. the last thing we kind of wanted to touch on, too, was, you know, some things that are happening to people that are vaccinated are still getting COVID. And I think, you know, I talked to this a lot about people because a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, people are still getting COVID and they have the vaccine. And I think something to keep in mind is that, yes, we get our flu vaccine every year. That doesn't completely stop you from getting the flu. Mm -hmm. It stops you from getting extremely ill and hospitalized Mm -hmm. with the flu. And it's the same for the COVID vaccine. You know, a lot of people that we have seen, I mean, I've personally talked to people in my life who have gotten the vaccine and have gotten COVID, but their symptoms were so minuscule and minor. A lot of them were either asymptomatic and happened to find out because they had to take a test for travel or for work or anything like that, or they just were having some really minor cold symptoms and they got tested and turned out to be COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to keep in mind that, um, like Mary said earlier, 98% of those hospitalization, hospitalizations right now are from people who aren't vaccinated. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a problem and it's something that certainly needs to be addressed and it's, it's something that I've thought a lot about mm-hmm. and I, I just... I think part of the problem is is that the really bad cases of COVID nineteen it's it's really not something that you see. No. Um, and part of you know that message that you read from next door you know leads me to think that you know if if we could do a better job of getting the imagery out there that may have a lasting impression. But that's just so hard to do because these hospitals are mm-hmm. overrun as it is. And you know if you have a loved one who's in the hospital, uh, good luck being able mm-hmm. to visit them right, and, right. you know, if they're in really bad shape, being able to say goodbye. Uh, so again, I, I think the the kind of facelessness of COVID-19 creates a, a, a problem when it comes to the vaccination efforts, but um, we'll, we'll keep trying to do our best here. Well, we're Absolutely. taking a, a short break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. 
You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, news, talk, traffic. Don't forget, you can always learn more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson and Mary and Sam, we need to update folks on the Caregiver Summit. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, but there's a, a major announcement that we're, we're kind of bummed about, Mary. There is. I'm very bummed to announce that um, we have decided to postpone the Caregiver Summit that was originally planned for September 15th. Uh, we decided, you know, this was going to be a hybrid event. It was going to be both uh, in person and virtual at the McKimmon Center, but we decided with the Delta variant and um, the the rate of transmission, it is mm-hmm. two times as more contagious as the original COVID virus that we all know of. So this variant is very contagious. And um, with the state of our hospitals and our healthcare providers, I think it's just not responsible for us. So we decided to postpone it until the spring. Um, our hopes then are to offer an in-person event. I know that a lot of caregivers want to meet in person and meet each other and meet our vendors. And so I think that postponing it till then was the best decision we could do. So keep your eyes peeled for the Caregiver Summit in the spring. I do want to let you guys know a good friend of Aging Matters here and um, of us at Transitions, is the Duke uh, Caregivers Community Event. They have a virtual event that's coming, and that event is on October 26th. Um, it's virtual, all virtual. They have some great speakers planned from 8 until 4 p.m. And it, there is, um, if you Google Duke Caregivers Community Event, it will come up. Um, but they have a one-day program. It's a virtual program, and it's a great opportunity for people to still hear some mm-hmm. some really valuable content on health equity and dementia, navigating conversations with family and loved ones, um, hospitalizations, which is a big topic right yeah. now in your role as a caregiver. Uh, they have some legal legal uh, topics like advanced directives and living wills. Um, so there's a lot of great content out there. So that that virtual event is on October 26th from 8 to 4. That's the Duke Caregiver Community Event. So I just wanted to let everyone know that mm-hmm. there's still resources out there and we'll be coming at you in the spring. Yeah, keep your eyes and ears peeled. <laughs> That's yes. right. And the uh, is the past uh, summit information still available at caregiversummit.org? It is. It's out there. Um, you can go and check it out, caregiversummit.org, um, for the past event. The, we, the virtual event we had. Excellent. So that is a, another resource is, uh, available to you as well, but also stick around for the announcement in the spring. Yes. Well, before we head out today, I know we want to take some time here to talk about self-care and Mary and Sam, we always love to check in. Uh, you, you two are personally caregivers and you have stories to update us with. So uh, Mary, give us the latest. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, we've been talking a lot. Of, we, we've talked on the show a bit about si- social isolation. And I know next week we have a, um, a great episode on social isolation for seniors and COVID and how, how to manage that. But to kind of kick it off a little bit early, um, my grandfather, as I talk about quite often, lives in an independent living facility. So he has his own apartment um, and he has a care caregiver, a private caregiver that comes in for him daily. And, um, you know, the facility has just done, where he lives has done a great job of um, engaging with him. Mm -hmm. And through COVID, they've always checked in on him. And it just makes me so relieved to know that someone's checking it, which is a great reason to think about an independent or assisted living facility as as you try to age Mm -hmm. in place. Or those are great options to keep people, um, you know, active and social. And um, so two things. One, they have engaged him in teaching a class, which um, I the, love it. 
<laughs> he is so excited. Um, he makes these little coat hangers that he wraps yarn around and ties yarn on them. Um, I, say, I have one, and it's beautiful. <laughs> he gets so much joy out of making these coat hangers for people. And they're actually great because you put your shirt on them, and they don't, they don't like – But, yeah, they don't slip because it has the yarn on it. So – and they also don't leave like those puckers in your sleeves mm-hmm. um, because they're like soft. Uh, so he's really excited to teach everybody how at the facility how to make these yarn coat hangers. And it keeps him busy. Like they they take a little bit of brain activity. He has to use his hands and um, he loves making them. He sees people light up when he gives them. And he was so excited to give our team uh, some. Really was. And they're <laughs> so colorful and fun too. You can't help but smile when you look at yes. them. Yes. He picks the rainbow yarn. So when he, roll, when he rolls it out on them, he gets so excited about what color it may be mm-hmm. and what it looks like. Um, so they've engaged him for the class, which I think is awesome, and, and being involved in some of the social activities um, that he has. Also, he started to link up with his retired IBM friends, and they're playing Pinochle, which I've never played Pinochle, but <laughs> I don't know if y'all, it's some card game, right? Um, but I think thinking back and, you know, I'm just, I'm happy for him because you hear the joy in his voice now and being mm-hmm. able to do some of these things. And um, I think it's important to remember, you know, ways to get involved in your communities mm-hmm. and and be active. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about my own self-care lately. You know, I took a day off on Friday to do nothing but, like, ride my bike and yeah. walk the dog. just love a nothing day sometimes. It's really needed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't do that enough. <laughs> And we've shared some good resources. I know, Mary, we talked to your aunt a couple episodes ago with (laughs) the Garner Senior Center. But, you know, I wanted to remind people, too, that, you know, we are for the time being that a lot of senior centers have reopened, um, you know, with some restrictions still. So I really encourage people to check out your local senior center. Some of them are doing some really awesome and great programs that you can get involved in, you know, while still staying staying COVID safe. Um, So now that those have kind of opened back up a little bit, you know, just encourage people to check them out again. Yeah, absolutely. I also wanted to let people know about a free resource. Um, It's called the Hope Line. Um, If you're 65 or older and feeling isolated or lonely, um, the Hope Line is a great resource as well. I know that we've uh, at Transitions have talked a bit with them. It's called One Hope. There's trained staff and volunteers, um, and they encourage callers with, you know, compassion and um, a friendly voice and just someone to talk to. So so it's a free resource. It's open Monday through Friday, 9 to 9 Eastern time. So you can call anytime between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. And that number is 866-578-4673. It's just a really great free resource for those in our community. Again, 866-578-4673. If you would like to talk to somebody anytime, 9 to 9. I've got to know. Maybe I'll call. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's it's a wonderful resource that's available, and I encourage everyone. You know, we we just talked about how uh, social social isolation can impact our, our seniors and just people in general. And as Mary said, we're going to have a show on that next week. But take some time today. You know, don't wait. If if you have a loved one who's been kind of isolated or just just been kind of stuck by themselves due to COVID-19, maybe hasn't been able to reach out to their usual social group, Take do a Zoom call today or even mm-hmm. a phone call, whatever you have to do, just reach out to someone and make sure that they're okay, check in on them. It's, it's so important to do. And uh, it's hard because, you know, we get caught up in our own lives, but it really goes a long way for those who are uh, kind of stuck in their bubble and dealing with that. 
social isolation. Well, again, don't forget, we've got a show planned on that next week. If you missed any part of this show or a past episode and want to catch up, be sure to go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button, and there you can find Aging Matters, and you can go through the full archive of shows there. We are out of time for today. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.